0: All right. We are running it back with Luke Acree, president of Reminder Media. It feels like we were just talking about it. feels like yesterday that we had you on. I mean, three years ago when we were the Learn Lead podcast, we had Luke on and things were really starting to take off in his world and we were starting to pick up momentum. And three years later, like I was telling Luke, every time I scroll on Instagram, I hear somebody a voiceover of his voice. I mean, it went mega viral. It had had 10 plus million shares at this point. Um, How's it going, man? Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, man. I can't believe it's been three years. It's great to be back. It's been, like I said, it's been crazy busy, but I think you're blessed if you have a busy life in a lot of ways. Some people see busyness as a problem. I see it as like a blessing. So loving it, like business is going well. The economy right now is a little tricky, but business is booming as they say. And so can't can't keep up.
0: Amen to that, man. So I want to spare you from having to go through a whole reintroduction of yourself. I want, you know, if you guys want to learn more about Luke's like story and stuff, go back to the original podcast, but let's get tactical here. Why don't you give us a brief overview of kind of what Reminder Media was three years ago and how you guys have shifted? Because this was like maybe right when COVID started or right before COVID. So we would love to know kind of how you navigated that water. Yeah.
1: So Reminder Media is a marketing company for those who don't know. So we do marketing for small businesses mainly. we work with about 70,000 small businesses this year. Our sweet spot, because marketing is broad, is we focus on referral-based marketing, relationship marketing. Simply put, if you need a way to keep in touch with your database, which every business does, that's what we do. So we help you keep in touch through email, help you keep in touch through social. We have our flagship product, which is a customizable magazine. And so the big change for us really from three years ago to today is we used to be an in-person company outside of Philadelphia. We are now a virtual company. So, you know, we have about 320 staff members now spread all across the country. So we shut down in COVID just like everybody did and had to go virtual. And so literally overnight, I had to take 200 employees and, and make them at home. So I had literally employees picking up their desktop computers and going home. But what's interesting is we were more effective from home. Our our sales was growing from home. Our product, we started releasing more products. We had a couple products at the time. Now we have six products that we're offering uh, from a platform standpoint. And so now I have a virtual company in 26 states. I have employees, which is pretty crazy to think about. And I also am now hiring international. I, I've been blown away by the international talent. I have employees in Pakistan, employees in Peru. Um, it's been pretty interesting. I've partnered up with a company that's helping me do that. And so that's been pretty wild. Also diversified in industry. So I've been mainly real estate most of my career in building this company. And then we shifted to a little bit into the financial arena, insurance and financial advising. Now we have 142 different industries using our platform. So it's pretty amazing. The biggest lesson I think I've learned in in that journey is you can chase two rabbits and catch none. And the key to being good at business at any point of your business journey is to focus on one rabbit till you catch it and then go to the next one. And I've made some major mistakes of chasing too many things at one time. And so now I'm trying to methodically just kind of block and tackle and eat the elephant one bite at a time because I'm almost drowning in opportunity. I know that sounds kind of strange, but it's like I, I'm drowning in opportunity and, and I just don't want to choose the wrong thing or not complete the thing that I chose.
2: What are you What are you chasing right now?
1: So I'm super, super focused really on two things. One is I'm focused on building my sales team out I'm hiring 25 sales callers a month right now. So if you know any good sales callers or if you're a good sales caller, I would love to have you. My average rep makes about $134,000 a year after their first year with us. My top reps are making 300 plus K. So I'm just shamelessly plugging that cuz I'm I'm focused on it. And it I, talks. I would love <laughs> I would love for people to come join me on this ride. Yeah. But hiring 25 salespeople a month and trying to build a massive sales team. I'm by no means perfect at hiring. So my hope is I can get out of the class of 25, eight to like 10 of them to really stick and stay with me. I wish I was better than that, but that's just being transparent. You know, I want eight to 10 to stick to graduate from the class type idea. I'm focused on that. And then I'm focused on my platform. So what do I mean my platform? So I've been a one trick pony most of my journey with Reminder Media and it's worked really well. And I want to make sure now I sell people a platform versus just a product. And that allows me to retain clients more because I'm offering more value to them and fulfilling what they need at the time they need it versus selling them what I only can sell them. And sometimes you sell clients what they don't need at the time they don't need it. But if you have a platform, you can sell them what they need, but they're buying your platform. So I'm super focused tech-wise on getting my platform really secured and with email marketing, social media marketing, and direct mail marketing all tied together in one.
0: Let, let's go back to what you said initially on, on terms of the, the rabbit chasing. Cause I, yeah. I, we all deal with shiny object syndrome. And as you become more valuable, the shiny object syndrome just gets worse because there's just so many opportunities and, and some of them are great. So walk us through your decision making process of, you know, how you go about, even if it's from like a personal standpoint of like in making other investments in your life, because earlier on when you're just starting out, you just have, you know, Grit and time. You don't really have money. So you just, you know, you, you eventually stretch yourself too thin and none of them work. But now that you have some money and operational efficiency, you can make some other things work just by throwing some money and, and an operator at it. Walk us through your decision making process there.
1: Yeah. Now you're spot on. So there's sweat equity and check equity. Sweat equity is what all of us have. You know, they're what you're talking about, check equity is ability to have leverage and leverage in, in business. I feel is a beautiful thing because leverage comes from two things, process and people. So I can get software to do processes for me, or I can get people to do processes for me. The way I make decisions, or at least try to, is you know, we have a vision statement and a mission statement. Our vision statement is we want to empower entrepreneurs to live a life of freedom. So a vision statement for those who've never really heard of it, it's kind of where you're always moving to and you'll never achieve. If you've read the book, Good to Great, it's called your BHAG, your big hairy, audacious goal, right? It's like we'll probably never fully help entrepreneurs achieve a life of freedom. But we want to be a part of it. And hopefully on our tombstone, if Reminder Media ever passes away, it says, "Helped entrepreneurs live a life of freedom. How we do that tactically is through our mission every single day. So every single day when we wake up and what we do on the phones with our graphic designers, with our marketers, is how do we help financial advisors, real estate agents, the 142 industries we work with close more deals? How do we help them get deals closed? Because that's a commission check in their bank account, which allows them to spend the money where they want their kids to go to school on, on leverage for their own business. You get it. And then how do we as that, you know, helping them close more deals and retain more business when I'm making my decisions? The reason why I'm stating this is because I have to go back and go, does this empower entrepreneurs to live a life of freedom? And in this thing that I'm releasing, are they going to close more deals from this ultimately and retain more business because of this, or are they not? So I first go through that basic thing, but it's the most important. Then it gets very, I would say, pragmatic. Where am I going to economically make the most money return on investment from the decision I'm going to make that hits that vision and that mission? But like, I, I try not to overcomplicate things of going like, look, if I going to make $10 here? and i can make five dollars here well i'm going to put my investment into where i can make the ten dollars now the the catch here for me has always been don't step over a dollar to get a penny and sometimes what happens to us is you can make more money in the short term what it seems but in the, actually if you would have just sacrificed a little bit in the short term you can make 10x more money in the long term and so i have to balance out and that's why the vision and the mission are so important i go through and go okay is this going to empower entrepreneurs to live a life of freedom? Not just today, five years from now. You know, Jeff Bezos is thinking in terms of decades. They say, I don't know him personally, they say, I'm trying to at least think in terms of like 18 months. I'm trying to at least think in time. I, I, it's a struggle for me, honestly, to think 10 years out or five years out, but I'm trying to go, okay, what does empowering freedom look like? What is closing more deals and retaining more business look like? How do we tactically do that to be economically viable? And then from there, I go down to what do I have today resource-wise to be able to execute? Because I've realized in my journey, you guys have a podcast. I'm about to hit my 500th episode on my podcast, Stay Pay. So 500 people that, you know, or 500 episodes that I've done, a majority of those interviews. The one thing I've learned is that knowledge is not power. And everybody tells you knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge plus execution is power. And there's a lot of smart people that I know that are not actually that smart and well-off. And a lot of the people I interview, and I'm not calling them out in a bad way. I'm calling them out in a good way. They're really not that bright. A lot of these superstars in these areas, they just execute it when other people wouldn't. So when you talk to me about my decision-making, and sorry for the, the long answer here, but when you talk to me about my decision-making, I go, man, I got to align to my vision and mission. It's got to be economically viable. And then I got to be able to actually execute on it, which means I have to have the resources to be able to execute, which resources really the talent, the people. Like I,
2: like business is people. You want to move your business? You want to move your revenue? Move people. So to go to that, right? Like, so you're the president. Your uncle is the CEO CEO? You know, yes. So, ha- talk about that dynamic and what that's like. You know, being in business not only with having a business partner, but someone that's family as well. Like, talk about that evolution, that that timeline, that journey together, and th- and then how that kind of sometimes plays into your decision making as an organization.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Family business is interesting. <laughs> But everything has its benefits and obviously downside. Steve and I's journey. Steve's been a serial entrepreneur. He started Reminder Media about twenty years ago. I joined up, and we joined up together about twelve years ago. Now, I started a business in college called Nextmark Designs, website business. So I was doing websites. I was doing about that for about four years, almost five years with my brother Dan. Steve at the time we were communicating, and he was selling us on the idea of joining him, and so about. 12 years ago now, we we joined up forces, really a God thing. And we had about 30 employees at the time, and now we've grown to about 320. So it's been an amazing ride. Steve is an entrepreneur. Anybody who has been around entrepreneurs knows that they are fast-paced. They are in the details, most of them that I've met, and that they change all the time. They don't care about structure. They care about results, right? And so that is an amazing gifting and it's, it's interesting in our journey watching the evolution of like, wow, how we as our entrepreneurial traits have actually had to pull back a little bit to allow structure to take hold in the business because we just like to shift all the time and test different things and see what's working, see what's not working and see what's successful. And that doesn't allow you to scale easy. So one of the pain points that Steve and I have experienced over the years of growing this is that, man, we change on a dime, but when your ship gets too big, it can't change on a dime with you that fast. And you cause too much chaos in your organization. And so probably the reason why I'm sharing this with you is probably our biggest um, epiphany over the last couple of years has been, you. we think that we are doing the right thing by being entrepreneurial which we want to, we know want to never lose innovation, but we got to honor structure. We've got to honor chain of command. I used to hate the word chain of command. I used to hate the idea of job descriptions. Like, what do you mean job descriptions? Do any job, right? But now I realize, well, that was a little bit spoken out of immaturity of just not understanding that, you know, you need job descriptions. You need structure in your organization and chain of command and, and even though those things create politics and there's some negative sides to those things, they allow people a a world in which they can function and well. Because even though you're an entrepreneur and you love it, most people do not love changing on a dime constantly. So that's, that's just a little it's, bit of the uh, dynamic, if that answers it's, some of your question.
0: It sounds like you must have uh, read the book Traction over the last three years since yeah, we left. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I've read that book a couple of times. I even tried <laughs> to implement the entrepreneur's operating system into our business. It kind of worked for us, but um, I think I'm more mature now. I could probably pull it off better.
0: I love it, man. So, so what I want to know is the dynamic of it. You guys help other businesses get business and keep business, but what's your client acquisition strategy? I know you, you know you got you got a sales team. Is it cold calling or like what? What's your acquisition strategy to acquire clients and then keep them? Are you guys implementing the same system you are for your clients?
1: Yes. Um, so the answer is yes. But we do that and more than what we do for our clients. So I always say a great lesson in business is don't watch what people say, watch what they do. Because what they say is what they think they believe, but what they do is what they actually believe, right? So look at Reminder Media. We spend millions of dollars on Facebook advertising to bring in top of funnel and middle of funnel leads. We offer Facebook advertising now for our clients. That's one of the things we do for our clients. We also send out tens of thousands of our own magazines to our prospect list and to even core relationships, core clients. This year, I'll generate about 26,000 referrals out of our book of business. Why do we generate so many referrals? People are usually shocked at like, wow, man, 26,000, that's amazing. It's because I think the main killer of people of not getting referrals is they just don't ask. And there's a famous Dale Carnegie stat that says 91% of consumers when surveyed say they will refer their business professional but 11% of salespeople are asking. And we don't ask mainly because we don't want to come across this slimy. And like take insurance, for instance, they sell you a policy, then they don't talk to you for 10 months. And then they know renewal's coming up. So they know they got to talk to you, but now it feels weird because it's not a real relationship. It's transactional. And so what, what we try to do is try to add so much value and touch points for our clients, email drips, social media, magazines and print that people just feel like we're always around them. And so they will refer us when we ask them to. And so we're, that's one of our acquisition strategies. But the main thing that I think we've done well um, is that we have an inbound sales team, an outbound sales team, and we have inbound marketing going. So most companies will focus either on inbound marketing or outbound sales. They don't do both. Most companies, it's like they they're either sales guys and they're just pounding the phone and they're getting out there and they're using LinkedIn and they're outbound, outbound, outbound or they're marketers and they're so scared of the telephone that they just do. We just need to do contents king and post on social media and the business is going to come to us. It's like, no, no, no. It's you need both. Like I would not have grown a 70 million dollar business if I didn't pound the phone. But I would not have built a $70 million business if I would not have spent the time to put content out there because content's king and it can get somebody into my ecosystem and do 500 episodes of my podcast. So what we've done well is that like I'm hitting on or I'm trying to hit all cylinders. Like I got a po- like podcast going, like I think of marketing in terms of like frequency. It's amount of the amount of frequency that I have to you landing in touch points. Like how often can I hit you? Like Geico's trying to hit their consumer 47 times a month. They're trying to hit their consumer 47 times a month to get you to buy car insurance from them. Right. So I want to hit you so much. Right. But I don't want to hit you with just one frequency. So what's a frequency? Well, emails, a frequency, direct mail, a frequency, face to face is a frequency, phones, a frequency, screen to screens, a frequency, social media is a frequency. You got six frequencies there. How can I hit you 47 times a month, not just on one of those, but on all six of those? So when you get into your car, you hear me on the radio, right? Through, your, through a podcast or something like that. When you get on social, you see me on my social media. When you get home in your mailbox, you pull out your the magazine and you see me on the magazine. There's this crazy thing called the frequency illusion that I've been sharing a lot. I learned from a guy, Jason Pantana. And it's, it's you guys have experienced probably buying a car before and you see that car everywhere, right? Everybody's experienced that type of thing. And the frequency illusion is a similar thing. What happened to you with the car is it became important to you. So your brain let that thought in, in your RAS, your reticulating activating system. And now that it's in there, you see it everywhere because it's important to you. So the frequency illusion is a similar phenomenon. And what it states is if Landon sees me on multiple frequencies, he's going to think he sees me more. And so the brain is going to naturally think it's more important than it is. So if you hear me on this podcast right now, and tonight you see Luke Acre or Reminder Media on social media, your brain is going to think Reminder Media and Luke is more important than it actually is in your mind. So you're going to actually, I'm going to come to the top of your mind. Why is that important? Well, all the stats out there in every industry say that businesses work 70 plus percent of the time. I think the stat is 76% of the time with the first business they think of. The first business they think of gets the business. Hmm. And it's like I try to tell people like how am I going a business is because man, I'm trying to be everywhere. It's the Monday.com strategy, right? If you ever heard of uh, Monday.com, right? They they're av- they're everywhere. They're trying to be everywhere. That's the strategy I'm I'm trying to implement. So I got podcasts going, email marketing going, direct mail going, social media going. I have thousands of calls being made every single day through my sales team to just try to give as much value as possible to then nurture those leads to actually get them to convert.
0: Not to mention, one thing to, to add to that is that like, doing all that allows you to diversify your distribution to the point where you are maximizing the enterprise value you can get if you want to sell the business down the road, because now you're not just attached to one single platform or one form of distribution. So it's awesome. It makes everything so much more sticky. On, the, on the, the other side of there, I feel like a lot of people don't start with advertising or, you know, going deep down this rabbit hole because there's just too much and they, you know, they think they have to implement everything at one time. What are some things, let's say a business is, you know, relatively profitable, but they just do, it's a service-based business and they, they do a lot just through referrals. Sure. What's something that we can start implementing immediately? And then how do you layer on top of that? Like what metrics do you want to see before we start layering?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think to really give probably a valuable answer, you would need to know, I would need need to know the industry. And the reason why I say that is because like what's really hot right now in financial advising is seminars. Like it, Like two ways I see you grow in financial services right now really effectively is referrals and seminars. If you do that, then you can start nurturing these relationships. And it doesn't, I'm not trying to minimize posting on social or minimize having an email drip. But if you want actual leads today and relationships today, I'm seeing those take off. If I go to real estate, right, client events are insanely, like out of my episodes that I've done the last probably year and a half, and I interview these top 1% realtors across the nation, I mean, good gosh, man, the amount of them that are saying client events are just blowing up for them right now is insane. And so I would encourage you, man, if you're listening to this and you have an opportunity to do a client event and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like one of the guys I talked to, he basically throws a happy hour at a hotel kind of bar and he just invites all his key relationships. And he says, it's great because I can pay the hotel bar 300 bucks, get some apps out there. Even people pay for their own drinks and he doesn't have to clean up. He doesn't have to worry about the space and he brings everybody in and he gets tons of business just from doing things like that. So like, it just depends on the industry. But in terms of like, I think strategies that people are not taking advantage of, I think everybody today thinks they need to be Grant Cardone or the next influencer. And I just don't believe that from what I'm seeing. And I fell into the same trap. And the reason why I say that I was just at a conference, I was speaking on stage and Brad Lee was speaking there. And Brad Lee got up and he shared how, you know, you need to be pumping out these videos a day on YouTube. And I shared um, with people afterwards. I said, "Dude, if you want to be Brad Lee, do what he's saying." But I said, "You like you could pump out videos on YouTube all day long. You're not going to be Brad Lee. You don't have the personality for it. Maybe you don't. You're not trying to reach a national audience. You're trying to reach the the 5,000 people in your hometown. Like that's who you're trying to reach. So you're better off instead of taking your effort and going and shooting a YouTube video that's probably going to be not so, so good." You're better off doing like a five for five. What do I mean for that? Take five people in your database today. Pull out your phone and personally call them. Personally text them. Take them to a cup of coffee. Like I am just seeing like the old school methodology of reaching out to people personally. Everybody is so consumed with social and so consumed with YouTube. And those are good things. Don't get me wrong. I coach people all the time. We offer those services. But I'm just being real with people telling them, hey, man, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be Bradley. You're not going to put out good content on YouTube. You're not going to do it consistently enough. And so unless you leverage it out to a great company to do it for you, you're better off after this call. I mean, this is going to be released, you know, later in the year or something. Right. So let's say New Year's is right around the corner. Man, don't waste New Year's pull out your phone, take two hours and text the 20% of people in your life that drive 80% of your life for you and shoot a video message for them. Landon was thinking about you today, brother. We haven't caught up soon or we need to catch up soon. Happy new year. Hope this is a great year for you, man. I just want to tell you, I appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. Would love to catch up. Talk soon. Shoot that personal video message. And if you do that for everybody in your database,
2: you will be shocked. The conversations that come from that and ultimately the business. That comes from it. That's amazing, man. I, well, that's a ton of value right there. And I, I did have a question in the same vein of that. Like, how do you see AI, ChatGPT, all, all this, all this? This year, I'd say is the year of AI, right? Like, AI yeah. has existed for a long time in a lot of forms, but now we're seeing almost a complete evolution come to the surface of how we can get access to information, how we can organize information, deploy it. Like how are you guys leveraging AI in your business? Where do you see AI taking over? What do you see it replacing? How do you, what do you see it optimizing just in the business marketplace and then your specific organization?
1: For us, it's really optimizing and making us way more efficient in content. So we put out a ton of content. So I, I, I would not have thought that AI would replace the creatives first are the writers and stuff like that. But I think it's going to replace writers, data entry. I think it's going to replace all that pretty, pretty fast. I think when they tie it to robotics, that's when it will start replacing all these, what you call blue collar or those, that, those type of jobs. But they they have to tie it to robotics, which I'm sure they have, but it's not mainstream viable yet. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's like, give you an example. We write a ton of blogs. We write a ton of podcasts. When I say write, meaning like come up with a ton of content and topics and all that stuff, I can. I'm my marketing team is chatting in for webinars that we're doing. It's typing into Bard or it's typing into Chat Chat GPT and just going, "Hey, here's what our webinar is going to be about. Here's the audience. Here's what we're thinking. Can you give us a marketing hook on this? Nah, make it more hooky. Make it more clickbait. No, and they just make get it more positive. Make it more negative. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever. You can. So change they're, it they're just using that to get eighty yeah. percent of the work done. Yeah. And then using their 20% to really refine it. So I'm experimenting now. I, I mentioned you guys like our flagship product, right? It's a magazine. Well, we have 48 pages of content we write in here. Like, and this is our health one. We have a business one. We have a lifestyle one. We have a home one. I'm, I have editors, writers on staff, all this stuff. So we're experimenting right now, not only with can it write the article, could it write this article for us? And it's pretty dang close, dude, <laughs> <Pretty> close. <laughs> to writing these articles. But mid-journey, is really close to even producing the imagery. So so one thing that is super interesting about what we're doing with Facebook ads is one of our Facebook ads that's really popular for real estate agents is get an exclusive list of properties in X price range. So depending like Antonio, if you're a real estate agent and maybe you're trying to sell $300,000 homes, we'd run a Facebook ad for you. That literally go and get access to an exclusive list of all the $300,000 properties in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And what we're doing is then we put pictures of $300,000 properties. Well, one of the hardest things for us is getting those pictures from real estate agents because they just are slow to get us the info and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. We use MidJourney to create the image of a listing in that price range for the Facebook ad, and it is converting and getting people to engage more because it just looks different the way that Midjourney has created the image. So you guys know Facebook is an interrupt platform, right? So yep. you're not people aren't going there with intent to buy on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're going there and then you interrupt them. So I think the imagery that's created by mid journey just to the eye looks different. So it's interrupting the human brain and, and when they're scrolling and getting them to engage more because our ads are getting better cost per impression, better cost per uh, conversion, which is interesting.
0: It's incredible, man. I, I want to shift the conversation a little bit as we near the wrap up point because I mean insane amount of growth over the last three years. I mean, you brought the energy on our last podcast, but you're bringing a different type of energy. I, I've seen you grow. I mean, you're fucking jacked now, by the way. dude. Thank um, you, man. Thank uh, you. Um, so, so
1: like, how I is did your 75 hard? That's what happened. Let's it's go.
0: I, I, ju- I, actually just finished last month too. Dude, that, um, good,
1: man, good on you, dude. That was hard, man. That was harder than I thought it was. going to Yeah. Be. Maybe for, sure. for you. I don't know if it was hard for you. For me, no, it's hard. that was harder than I thought.
0: Anyone that actually does it, it's hard. No matter, no matter where your discipline is at. Yeah. I digress there. Now the, the company, you said $70 million a year type of company. I mean, how is you, how have you as an entrepreneur and your personal development and you as a father, like, how is that? evolved over the last three years and how you have to continuously sharpen the sword because you can get real complacent right now if you wanted to.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I, I just keep coming back to for myself more and more. It's like who you surround yourself with is the absolute most important, like who you surround yourself with. You know, I, I, I went to a conference recently that I was actually attending and the speaking at and we had a booth at. And one guy got up on stage and he said one thing he's learned is, you know, everybody talks about defining your why and chasing, you know, that why. And he has always struggled in his life because he feels like his why has changed so much. And and it's just and he's never really been able to narrow it down or anything like that. And he found that it's basically in the pursuit of finding his why and defining his why is really his why. And I don't know if that makes as much sense to you as it made to me in that moment of like, yeah, it's like, that's what's been true for me. It's like, I just want to try to see how much I can achieve because I'm loving what I'm doing. I don't even view it as like achievement. Like, can Reminder Media be a billion dollar company? It's like, so if you ask me, well, Luke, what's your why behind getting it to a billion? It's like, I I don't know. The why is, can I achieve getting it to a billion? Like, it's like the pursuit of greatness, like the pursuit of winning, the pursuit of, can I do it in the, the monetary stuff? Yeah, that's awesome. I want that too. Like you want the rewards and stuff, but it's like in the pursuit of it is what I have, that's really helped me. It's just going like, yeah, I don't have to have the ultimate why worked out in my mind. Cause I don't, if I'm being honest, like, I I have these things that I believe I'm a person of faith. So if you were asking me like on the spot, like, what's your why? Well, you know, it's faith and family. Like, it's like, that's really what it is for me, but it's in the pursuit of, can I build this? Like, cause it's fun. I wake up every single day. It's impacting my life and people's lives. And can I do it? And and it's like, so few people can build a billion dollar company, a hundred million dollar company. And I'm just like, can we do it? And that excites me. So I, know, I hope that
2: makes sense. No, that's beautiful. I think to add to that, it's a kind of a question on top of that question that you answered. Um, awesome. I, I, we talk about the seduction of success, right? Like you, a lot of folks are like working towards something they think is going to make them happy, right? So like in a world where you hit a hundred million or you hit a billion in yep. revenue or valuation, whatever you wanna, however you want to look at it, like, as I'm sure you know, like when you get to that point, it doesn't you're not going to be any more fulfilled than you were right before that right it's kind of the beauty of the journey but how do you stay like is it is it that why in itself of you just trying to figure out if you can do it is that what keeps you avoiding the seduction of success like do you do you find your your moments of wanting to be lazy of wanting to just like kick it back and do nothing like do you do you find those moments and when you're in those moments if you do find those in your life like what are you doing to pull yourself out and keep moving forward yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I find them, I think just like everybody, I I, like, I'm a firm believer in body, mind and spirit, right? You guys have probably heard that said over to nausea maybe, but it's like, (laughs) you know, why am I, you mentioned I'm Jack, like, oh man, I realized like your body, what you feed your body, your health like it just has such an impact on you, right? And how you feel and, and your ability to attack the day. And like Andy Elliott, who's this controversial sales trainer now, right? He right, right. challenges people all the time. Hey, if you had a six pack, would you feel better about yourself? Would you feel more confident? And everybody's like, of course, I look would look better and I feel better yeah. about myself. He's like, well, you think you sell more if you felt better about yourself? And there's a lot of truth in that. It's like yeah. if you put yourself in a prime position to achieve then you have a better chance. And so body, you got to feed your mind uh, or you got to feed your, what you're feeding your body healthy stuff. And you got to work out and you got to do all that stuff. But you think about your mind, which is the most important, listening to stuff like this, surrounding yourself with people like this, you know, whatever you input into your mind, it's a bank account. You will, when you hit adversity, when you feel lazy, when you feel undisciplined, when you don't want to get up, you will go to that bank account that you've put deposits in your mind and you will try to make a withdrawal. Because you need motivation at that moment. You will try to make a withdrawal. And you will withdraw whatever you've put in. And if you have put in crap, crap in, crap out. If you've put in good things that elevate you, there, that is a game changer. I interviewed somebody on the po- uh, podcast. that was a beast, Pete Fernand. And he talks about he tries to live in a space where he thinks about his future self. Never coming back. If Elon Musk ever created a time machine, never coming back and kicking his present self in the face because what his present self did to not take care of his future self. And if you really break that down, that example down of going, everything you do today is your, is your future self going to thank you for? What you did for your health, what you did in your business, what you did in your relationship is you, like how many entrepreneurs don't have their family because they literally sacrificed their family on the altar of a business. Right. And it's like, is your future self going to thank you? for what your present self is doing. And if there was a time machine, are you going to, he's like every day I'm guarding myself going, man, if, if a time machine was invented and if I get roundhouse kicked in the face by my future self, then I know I'm doing something wrong. The point being is like, Hey man, what you do in the present today is going to uh, you know, happen in the future and just make sure that you're, you're being authentically who you want to be and, and chasing that why that you truly want.
0: I think that's a culmination of the compound effect and um, atomic habits. That's kind of what yeah. we steal a lot of the stuff from, right? This is the Consistency Wins podcast. So we believe in all that stuff. And, and one of the really big takeaways I got from atomic habits is the question of, are my habits a reflection of who I want to become? So it's, it's alluding to everything that you just said right there. And the reason why we need to be listening to podcasts like this all the time and leveling up our circle is because we need to feed our subconscious that ability to ask that question in those specific moments, because it's not going to do it for itself. Right. There's gonna be times where you're faced at a crossroads to make a decision. And if you don't have those questions that you're gonna ask in yourself, you're probably gonna make the bad decision. And that's gonna to compound to more bad decisions down the road. Yep. So that's why it's important for the repetitiveness. And so I'll be repetitive again because we ask the same question at the end of every episode. This is the Consistency Wins podcast. Since since you've been on last, it's changed the name. So we're all about consistency. And you know, you embody that every day, man. We're we're super stoked about like all the growth that, that you've experienced. What does consistency mean to you, man? And how does that show up in your life?
2: Yeah.
1: So I think consistency to me means doing the things that you know you ought to do that you don't want to do at the highest level for long periods of time. Uh, Because the quote I've been living off of right now is, quitters quit where winners live. Quitters quit where winners live. And if you think about that, quitters quit, they don't want to get up in the morning and go to the gym because they're tired. That's where a winner lives. He's tired, he goes to the gym anyways. Or you think about making that phone call as a salesperson. You don't want to make that next phone call. Quitters quit there. Winners live there. They make that next phone call. You're in the gym. You don't want to do that one more rep, as Ed Milette says, just one more. Quitters quit. Winners live there. And so consistency to me is doing what you don't want to do, but you know you have to do at the highest level for long periods of time.
0: it's when you show up even better, man. Dude, that, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I know Landon and I just wrote that down. That I mean, we're, we're stealing that from you and we are happy to. Dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming back on and sharing your story, man. We're super excited to stay connected. How can our listeners follow you and support the journey?
1: Yeah, thank you. It's awesome to be here. It's awesome to see you guys' growth too. So love watching it. You can check me out at Luke Acree. So my name, just Luke, and then Acree is A-C-R-E-E. You can find me on Instagram, probably most active, but on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. And then would love to have you check out Reminder Media. So you can go to remindermedia.com. If you need help with your marketing, we're there. But if you want a sales job, I would love to talk to you. So go to remindermedia.com, check out our careers page. We're hiring in twenty six, maybe more states by now. Talk to you.
0: Let's go. Appreciate you, Luke.